entertainment. Welcome again to Tech Tuesdays. I am your host, Sir Cal, here on the Geek Source Entertainment Podcast. All right, so uh, today we have some rather different stories. You know, most of the time I talk about um, phones and tablets and computers, but today um, I actually have, if I can get, let me get my notes up, I actually have our first story is a little bit different. And that for those of you who are space nerds, it may break your heart to hear, if you haven't heard about it already, that the Opportunity rover on Mars was declared dead. Um, So a little bit of backstory. The Opportunity landed on Mars on uh, the 25th of January in 2004. It was supposed to last 90 Martian days, or 87 Earth days, but ended up surviving 5,111 Martian days until June 10th, 2018. Uh, Around that time, it faced its toughest test of all, um, and this is coming from... um, This is coming from Forbes, I'm pretty sure, is the source I have. Um, I have, like, three different sources here regarding this story. Um, But in mid-2018, Opportunity faced... Um, a global dust storm that lasted for months, reducing light to just 0.002% of its usual level. Opportunity did rely on solar power, so this was um, worrisome. It tried to hibernate through the storm by entering safe mode, but when the storm finally abated in late 2018, the rover failed to wake up again. And on Wednesday, February 13th, NASA said it would cease attempts to contact the rover. So they'd been trying to contact this thing since late 2018, you know, when the storm, you know, up until February. You know, it was a very successful mission. It traveled more than 28 miles and took more than 217,000 images, revealing fascinating details about Mars was like long ago. It found evidence that Mars once had vast amounts of water on its surface and possibly was once even habitable. And NASA still has two machines active on the surface of Mars, the Curiosity rover and the stationary InSight lander. But for Opportunity, it has joined its twin rover, Spirit, which went silent in 2010, taking a well-deserved rest. So, um, and reportedly its last words uh, were, um, my battery is low and it's getting dark. And this inspired, of course, a bunch of reactions. Um, people, you know, uh, talking about how sad this message was. They were getting tattoos in tribute of it. Um, that is not exactly the case. It did not, uh, like, that is not exactly what it said. Um, the original person who tweeted about it, um, Jacob Margolis, um, he actually wrote a uh, an article for the LAist clarifying that this was the basic gist, but not its exact words. So, unfortunately, reality is sometimes disappointing for those of you that were touched by that message. However, what was real was this last image. And for those of you listening in, basically this last image was... Um, it... It essentially is like this dark image. It has what looks like white. It's a black image. 
and it has like white stars or something, white dots. It's not stars, but rather just a really static image because of how little light it was getting. Um, so it does look like stars when you look at it, but there was not enough light for it to actually get an actual picture. Um, so it um, sent back this static noise image. And of course, the like the bottom like quarter of the image is just this plain black bar where uh, the data got interrupted um, from the signal. So it didn't even it didn't even finish sending that image before it got interrupted and shut off. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. It, so that that's that story. Um, you know. Enthusiasts of space and and space travel were disappointed by this news, you know, but it was definitely a well, very successful mission, way more successful than NASA or anyone else could have predicted. I mean, they originally just sent uh, just sent it up to go for about 90 days and it lasted for nearly 15 years. I mean, that's uh, (laughs) that's that is quite the mission there. So it definitely did its job, and yeah, I was, um, it was pretty cool to, to touch on this message. Um, now in Apple-related news, um, Apple is planning a March event, supposedly, focused on their, uh, supposedly planned news subscription service. I believe I've talked about this before, but uh, if I haven't, there have been things found in certain internal workings of like the uh, iOS 12 betas um, that seem to suggest that um, along with Apple News coming to Canada here shortly um, and you know, expanding its reach a bit, but it's also looking like they may plan to branch out with a subscription-based news service um, and it's reportedly that Apple is planning an event on March 25th to launch said news subscription service. Um, and this is according to a report from Buzzfeed. Um, the wall street journal also reported earlier that Apple was having some issues with getting, uh, publisher partners, uh, on board due to revenue splits because Apple is reportedly demanding a 50% cut of revenue um, from the subscriptions. So, and the subscriptions is only meant to be like $10. You know, that's what the, the rumor is saying, that it would be a $10 subscription per month for Apple News, and then $5 would go to, um, you know, would be split across all these different publishers or however much they're making per their clicks on their articles, and then the other half would go to Apple for hosting them. Um, that seems a little high, um, but it's not like Apple hasn't been known to pull this stuff before. Um, and nonetheless, I mean, because this is Apple, one of the most used phones and devices on the market, of course, you know, it's tempting to get, uh, publishers on board to their news service because, you know, even if they're not making as much money as they possibly could, they're still getting read and still generating revenue just from sheer volume. Um, now, here's my problem with this is what will this look like for the current existing news app? Because how the current existing news app has 
as it is, is articles that are published by these news um, news publications uh, are published with like one or two ads per article. And then it, for places like the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times, different places that have a, a debt, that have their own subscription service, there are some that are available to read and then some that are behind a paywall that you only get to read if you select them uh, or if you are subscribed to said service already. And, they, and if those articles are suggested to you, they say a yellow in yellow subscription underneath the headline. So and then when you click it, it then gives you an alert saying that you need to subscribe to read this article um so what the theory is is that essentially this uh monetized version of apple news this monthly version wouldn't be much different from the standard news app outside of uh outside of no ads like ads would probably be removed but then those ads or those articles that are available under subscription only with those individual uh, publishers, instead of being blocked by a paywall that you then have to subscribe to, say, the New York Times or Washington Post, since you're subscribed to Apple News, those publishers would get a cut of, of revenue from your subscription to the Apple News service in general, so they're no longer behind a paywall because you're paying for the service and getting all these articles. It's essentially Netflix for news, um, now what I'm concerned about is actually this is not true and that they will just put the news app behind a paywall and that the only way you can read news, um, via Apple is through subscription, which would disappoint me, um, because I really like their service. I don't really care for, um, paying extra for news articles when Google is a thing, um, and the articles that I typically like to read are not from publishers that put their articles behind a paywall, um, you know, and I, I typically like will find maybe one or two articles that I wish I could read that I was subscribed, but otherwise I don't. Um, and so that would be a real disappointment because actually I use I use Apple News for these shows. I use Apple News for uh, for Tech Tuesdays and Film Fridays uh, for getting news regarding tech and all all that and. Um, so that would be a hindrance to me if I uh, if I had to now subscribe to Apple News. I probably would just not use it, but my news aggregation for these shows would be a little bit less neat. Um, I'd have to go digging a bit more. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess we'll see. Now, in a follow-up from last week, last week we talked about how Amazon and New York were were battling it out with each other, Amazon possibly leaving um, uh, the New York headquarters rather than moving forward with the plans due to criticism from uh, the New York um, representatives in the Senate and such. Well, they've, they've done it. Amazon has canceled their New York headquarters. In a statement, they said, After much thought and deliberation, we've decided not to move forward with our plans to build a headquarters for Amazon in Long Island City, Queens. Uh, it, they said they are canceling the plans due to the number of state and local politicians that have made it clear that they oppose our presence. Uh, and they do not plan to search for another HQ2 location. So this was that be there's you know, the second headquarters location that was, um, 
that they were moving forward with on top of the one that was going in Northern Virginia. But they are going forward with that one in Northern Virginia as well as Nashville. And it will continue to expand its existing presence in New York throughout other uh, throughout other bureaus, just not through building a headquarters. So this is interesting. I've seen a lot of people celebrate the news. Um, you know, the critics, obviously there are some people that were critical, um, of the pushback that Amazon got saying that while yes, they're a big company, they still would have brought jobs to New York, but I, I can see both sides of the, both sides of, of the, um, both sides of the argument. Honestly, I lean a little bit more towards those that were skeptical of Amazon due to the fact that we've seen this kind of thing before. Like I mentioned last week with uh, Foxconn, where they, I don't remember what city it was, um, but they promised that, you know, if you give us subsidies and benefits, you know, we'll hire these many amount of people. And now they're hiring a fraction amount and they don't even know if they're going to hire that many people. So, uh, you know, I personally can see both sides of the article or both sides of this, both uh, of this argument. And, but I definitely lean those towards lean more towards being critical of it just because we've seen big companies pull shady things in the past. Um, and in other potentially interesting news, um, Apple has bought a startup that makes Google Assistant and Alexa apps. They have acquired a San Francisco-based artificial intelligence startup called Pullstring, and this is coming from TheVerge.com, that specializes in helping, in helping companies build conversational voice apps, according to a report from Axios. Pullstream was founded back in 2011 by former Pixar employees. Its CEO, Oren Jacob, is Pixar's former chief technology officer. And up until now, Pullstream was most well-known within the tech industry as software backbone behind voice systems for popular toys like Mattel's talking uh, Hello Barbie doll. Uh, it's not clear what Apple will be getting out of the deal, which is said to be worth under $100 million, but well over the $44 million in venture capital funding Pullstring has amassed thus far. But beyond toys, Pullstring has also worked on the enterprise end to help companies build skills and apps for Amazon's Alexa platform and Google Assistant. So in that sense, which to me this makes the most sense, Apple could be acquiring Pullstring to help accelerate the growth of Siri-powered apps and features. So, yeah. I think that's what it's for. I don't think it has anything to do with necessarily, you know, Apple branching out into necessarily home technology and stuff like that, since they've already just worked with partnership with other companies to make HomeKit enabled apps or uh, services and, and tools. But rather, I think they're they're using this to expand series um, usability through apps and such like that. And probably we'll see, of course, probably some um, Apple made home stuff but i don't think this necessarily means that apple will go full into the smart home uh market just because i really don't think apple would have an interest in that just because of the way they're focused on security um so you know the idea and many people are skeptical of a lot of smart home technology due to its lack of uh potential lack of security so there's that i don't think apple would want to try to soil their uh name by throwing in their hat with the other uh, home technology platforms. Um, however, um, the HomePod is a thing, so y you never know. The HomePod might be the start, their starting point to get into the home smart home market. 
Um, and then Apple is potentially planning a 16-inch MacBook Pro for 2019. Um, analyst Ming-Ching Kuo released a research note looking at Apple's releases in 2019. This is coming from Mac Rumors. Uh, they attained a copy of the report, and perhaps the most exciting prediction for Mac users is the revelation that Apple is working on a 16 to 16.5-inch MacBook Pro. They don't give any more details outside of it. It'll get a new design, um, but that does suggest that possibly Apple is going through a revamp. So this would be uh, a revamp for the MacBook Pro design after the 2016 revamp. So how Apple kind of does it is every three to five years, they revamp the design. So like 2012 through 2015 was one design of the MacBook, which each year kind of improved on or made slight modifications to the established 2012 model, um, finishing off with the 2015 model that is the general public's favorite. Um and a lot of people still suggest buying that MacBook Pro if you're, you know, not looking uh, for a computer with a touch bar or having to deal with USB-C ports only um, and you want standard ports. Um, that is the one that many people point you towards is the uh, 2015 MacBook Pro because it's still plenty powerful. Um, it's only about around three years old at this point because it was released in mid-2015. And so, you know, it's still plenty powerful for most needs, and it has, you know, a good reliable keyboard and a good amount of ports that the 2016 through 2018 models just don't have. Um, the 2018 models did try to fix the the keyboard issues. However, we've yet to see just how how well they've done since there have been reports that you can find online of people having issues with their keyboards, even at, still on their 2018 models. But that's how Apple does it. Is So, like, the 2018 MacBook Pros really don't look any different from, say, the 2017 and 2016, but they make slight design modifications um, and spec bumps. So, 2019 could see an actual revamp and redesign of the MacBook Pro with an added addition to uh, the size, an added size uh, category in the 16 to 16.5 inch range instead of just 13 inch and 15 inch. Um... And that excites me because, I, you know, the more the merrier. However, one of the things I'm really hoping that they do is that they just, they make it pro. Like, obviously, I hope what Apple learns from this uh, debacle with the uh, 2018 MacBook Pro uh, is that they make it thicker with these revamps. Because with there are some rumors that Intel may be coming out with an 8-core processor. Um, you know, including, you know, like an 8-core i9 and stuff like that. Um... And, oh boy, um, yeah, thermal management on those MacBook Pros would just be non-existent. You might as well, you know, you, you might as well get a little portable freezer that you use when you use your MacBook Pro because at the, at the current state of things, the current size profile of the MacBook Pros just cannot support these new 8th gen, um, higher end 8th gen Intel processors. And so a ninth gen with even more cores producing more heat would just be a recipe for disaster. Um, thermal throttling everywhere. <laughs> um, so I am not looking forward to, like, or well, I'm curious to see what Apple does with the 2019 MacBook Pros. Um, you know, I personally have a 2018 13-inch that I really like, and... You know, depending on what they do with the 2019, maybe I could see if I could sell off my 2018 if the 2019 is a whole lot better. Um, 
especially if, you know, their thermal management is a bit better. Because while the 13-inch does not suffer from thermal throttling nearly as much as its 15-inch counterparts due to the fact that it doesn't have a dedicated graphics card, um, the fans on this thing do tend to kick up when it's under load. Um... Uh, even at times when I really wouldn't expect it to. It's not a huge deal. Like, I don't really um, expect my computer to be quiet. Granted, I also use Max fan controls, so that also probably doesn't help um, because, you know, I tell it to kick on at a sooner point than, um, than what Apple tells it to. So that's another reason. But I would be curious to see what Apple does with these new MacBook Pros. I would like to see them make it thicker, maybe redesign the keyboard, um, see if they can maybe work out, you know, ingenuity with that uh, glass panel keyboard that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, but nonetheless, just just give us a keyboard that works. I don't think really people, many people care about, you know, if the keyboard works, uh, how, how flat the keyboard is and how thin it is. Just, just make sure it works. Okay. That's all people ask. <laughs> um, and of course I think it would be nice if they did make it thicker so it could handle heat, but I'm rambling on at this point. So, um, but in other news from this Ming Ching, uh, Ming Chi Kuo report is that, uh, air power and new AirPods could potentially release this spring with uh, a new generation iPod Touch. And Apple is also said to possibly release a new 10.2-inch iPad Pro with an iPad Mini 5. Um, but the most exciting news for me is a new 6, 6K 31.6-inch display. So... Um, it would be really close to that 32-inch display that they already have. That's 5K, except now 6K. Um, and it would have micro-LED-like, um, technology. Um, and, yeah, I would, I would love to see Apple make their own monitor and, and displays again. Because they are, they are the best at display, uh, technology. Say what you will about everything else, but the one thing everyone can agree on is that Apple is great with their display technology, whether it be on their phones, their tablets, their computers. The resolution number may not be quite as high as their competitors, but they still know what it takes to make a great display. Um, the iPhone 10 and 10s series have had some of the highest rated displays, you know, for color gamut and accuracy, the retina displays on their MacBooks and on the iMacs, the 5k display all get high marks. And of course the iPad pro displays with its 120 Hertz, uh, refresh rate are generally high praise. Like no matter what Apple product you're getting, uh, you no, the display is going to be good. Um, so to see Apple possibly making their own dedicated 6K display, ooh, it's going to be a look, it'll be an amazing display. Um, but that does wrap up the news for the week. Hopefully nothing big releases by the time I get done recording this and publishing it uh, on Tuesday, today, by the time you're watching this. So, yeah, um... Let me know what you think. Uh, leave me a comment down below. Um, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at the Geek Source Official uh, on Instagram or just Geek Source. And then I'm at Geek Source Ent or Geek Source Official on Twitter. I really should just make it Geek Source. Simply Geek Source um, on there. But nonetheless, that's where you can find me. Um, and then, of course, 
Uh, be sure to give this video a like, uh, favorite my channel on Anchor, subscribe to my podcast, and yeah, um, I will see you next time. Have a great rest of your week, and yeah.